You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. Well, before I tell you the title of the message, I want to do a little bit of follow-up. We're looking at 2024, our year. We want to dive into the Gospel of Matthew, but underneath of this is a desire, an encouragement, and a challenge that in 2024, you would read the New Testament along with us. So if you're going in the Bible reading plan, and we have Bible reading plans, I encourage you, it's a chapter a day, five days a week. It's, it's pretty tangible, it's pretty realistic. Uh, I've been doing it, our family wants to try and do it, and we've been encouraging it to our church. It's one of the reasons we're kicking off with the Gospel of Matthew, to get you encouraged and excited about holding on and believing in God's word. And so, but I want to follow up because we're looking at 2024 and all of us, every one of us with zero exceptions, we all have a vested interest in what our future looks like. We care deeply about what tomorrow is going to be. It's a big deal. So I want to follow up with something I shared last week and and dig a little deeper and it's going to set us up in the message today. Ready? If you care about your future, you need to know that your future is influenced a lot by the decisions that you make, the habits that you have, and the friendships that you carry. I mean, so you can't control so many aspects about life. You have zero control. And, and, and again, for those of us who are bona fide, certified control people, and I am in that camp, we, we, we try and exercise control and we realize how limited that actually is and how miserable it can be. But there are things we have influence over. We have influence over the decisions that we make. We absolutely do. Now, you may not be able to control the weather, but you can certainly control how your attitude is when you go into work and how you decide to interact with your neighbor, and how you decide to interact with your spouse, and how you decide to navigate with your kids. And and so these decisions that you have in terms of what you're gonna handle, do with your money, and, and, and how you're gonna invest, or what you're gonna do, all these things, decisions are influenced by you, and they absolutely, 100% are gonna impact your future. It's a big deal. Your habits. And habits are massive. I know we go into the new year and we think new, new year's resolutions and we're gonna go to the gym and it's gonna be incredible and then that lasts like a couple weeks and then we don't go to the gym anymore. And, and, and habits are hard because of the way our brains are wired. It's all about reward systems. Like, like listen, I want you to know something. I wish broccoli tasted like a Boston cream donut. If God could answer any prayer in my lifetime... It's, Lord, make the Boston cream donut have the same nutritional value as raw broccoli. Then I could just, all day long. The reason why habits are hard is because bad habits give you the reward immediately. You can eat a Boston cream donut and immediately you're like, mmm. You eat broccoli, you're like, oh, okay. Now some of you in this room are like, you don't know. You just like, you love it, you love broccoli. So that's great for you, God bless you. So we'll take a different, lima beans. Something good that's green and like natural. I, I, you don't get the reward from broccoli right away. You eat some broccoli and you're like, oh, that's great. What happens is later on, you step on the scale, you're starting to feel better, you have more energy. The reward is always later on. So the reason we wrestle so much with our habits and why we have so many bad habits is because we're wired in a way to want reward immediately. And so, but guess what? If you have many bad habits in your life, how do you live a good life? It's, it's challenging. But you have the influence in the habits that you choose. These are your habits. You can pick them. And then, and then the last one is friendships. 
to highlight last week. It, it, you cannot have the right life with the wrong friends. Now you can have friends that might be going through moments of difficulty and you can be the right friend in their life to speak into them, but if you just surround yourself with people who are going in the opposite direction of you and you get into that group of people, guess what? You're not strong enough to go in the right direction when everyone else is going in the wrong direction. You will eventually find yourself going in the same direction. It's just how it works. So these three things will 100% impact your 2024. So here's the thought, ready? If you wanna change your life, if you're looking at 2024 and you wanna change your life, then change your decisions, change your habits, change your friendships. Think about how you wanna end this year if you wanna change your life. Now, now I'm gonna to confess to you, I know this is, gonna be, this is like really shocking. It's gonna be hard for you to even hear this. I am not perfect. I know, I know you look at me and you're like, man, Pastor Jeremy, you are, man. I, I, actually a lot of you are like, yeah, no, we know already. You are a hot mess. I am, hot mess express. I, this last week I realized sometimes what a hot mess that I am. Now, don't send me an email with this, but I love to joke around a lot in my house with my family. And I thought a couple of years ago, it would be really funny to say your mom jokes and to start us saying your mom jokes in our family. Now, you're already getting tense. I can see all the tension in the room. I thought it was hilarious to say your mom jokes to our kids. My wife's really incredibly happy about this. She just loves every minute of it. I'm like, so your mom jokes. Now, I'm mean, just, just being silly. When, when my mother-in-law came with us on vacation last year, I'm like, I can say your mom jokes to my wife and her mom's in the room. I'm like, this is the vortex of your mom jokes. Yes, you're already like, oh man, this is bad. It's bad. So I've been saying your mom jokes and like, our kids have been getting into your mom jokes. And we'll just say like, oh, your mom, oh, your mom. We won't even go to the joke now. Now it's just your mom. And this last week, and you may not know this, but, but school went virtual for Tuesday. And as I'm leaving the house, I'm seeing my five-year-old go into his virtual class. And he's set up in my wife's office and she's doing homework and I'm walking out the room when I hear my five-year-old son talk to another classmate via Zoom, laughing and calling him something and then saying, oh, but your mom. And I was like, oh, <laughs> decisions. Now listen, I, I'm not a perfect person. I, 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 you look at these things and you're like, okay, well, how do you make a change? And, and trying to teach a five-year-old, like, okay, you can say certain things in certain environments, but pull back. If I were to examine all, like, your life, my life, if we were to place it in it, all of us would openly admit, I think, there are things about our life that we wanna change. Well, why is change so hard? If you wanna change your life, change your decisions, change your habits, change your friendships. But I wanna take this even a, a step further. If you wanna change the kind of decisions that you're making and you wanna change the kind of habits that you have and you wanna change the kind of friendships that you have, this is what I want you to see. You have to let God change your heart. So if you wanna change your life, you can change those other things, but oftentimes when we try and make change on our own strength, when we do it in our own will, when we do it in our own power, it only gets us so far. Sometimes we often go back and default to our natural settings. If you really wanna experience ongoing change and transformation in your life, it starts with, God, can you change my heart? 
And when God begins to change your heart, here's what happens, ready? God begins to tell you, hey, this is the kind of decisions that you should be making. And it comes from the heart. When God begins to soften your heart, when God begins to work in your heart, when God begins to move in this place, it begins to change the kind of decisions that you make, it changes the kind of habits that you can have in your life, and it absolutely 100% influences the kind of friends that you put around you. Underneath of all of those things is God. And God wants to influence and speak into and transform how you interact with these things that absolutely impact your future. I, uh, this last week we had a massive storm. Obviously you were a part of it. Crazy amounts of flooding. Unfortunately my parents who live right next to us experienced flooding in their house. I was in the office, I had to run home. I had to help my parents take care of the flooding situation they were experiencing. Massive storms can be very stressful and devastating. I did run across a story, though, that back in 1992, when Hurricane Andrew swept through Florida, massive hurricane, that after the hurricane swept through in Florida in 1992, the, the cameras were out from the news team, and they were on helicopters, and they were flying over to try and capture the devastation that this hurricane produced in South Florida. And in the midst of the devastation, they were looking at the houses that had been just torn apart by the floods and the wind and the rain, and in the middle of all the houses, there was one house that was still standing in the midst and surrounded by devastation. And so the news people were like, why is his house the only one that made it? And so they, they went down and they found the owner and they began talking to the owner. And I just found this to be fascinating. So here's, here's what happened. I want to read this. This is what they said. They said, sir, how did you manage to escape the severe damage of the hurricane? And this, this is, was his response. It's very practical. He goes, I built the house myself. And he says, I built it according to the code. The, the, I built it according to the Florida State Building Code. That's what I did. I looked at the code and I built it according to the code. And he says, when the code called for two by six roof trusses, I used two by six roof trusses. I was told that a house built according to the code could withstand a hurricane. That's what he did. And then he said this, I guess everyone around me didn't use or build according to the code. So, obviously the tie-in here, ready? Here's, here's the title of the message today and where we're going. The title is Rest. And I would be willing to bet that there's a lot of exhaustion in this room. The Lord actually changed my message, if you're following along on version, The notes changed this last week. And so you're like, wait, stuff's not lining up. It's a little bit of a different message than what's in there. You can just follow along on the screen because that's the right one. But I, in the worship night we had in December, in the middle of leading worship, sometimes God will give, you, give me a word. And while in the middle of the worship song, I felt God lay on my heart that there was people in our church who were not getting sleep. And so I came up on stage like the Kool-Aid man. I stopped. Y'all don't know, that's a reference from the 90s. When he, okay, no, all right. We're good, that's all right, all right. I'm Kool-Aid! Okay, anyway, sorry, ADD Jeremy. But I, I came on stage and I just asked, who here is not sleeping? And I felt in my heart that God wanted to begin to answer prayers so people could get sleep. I know that seems simple, but so many hands shot up. And since that moment in December, I've received multiple texts from people saying, since that night, they have been sleeping because God answered that prayer. I would be willing to bet, be willing to bet, 
There is exhaustion in this room. And I'd also be willing to bet that a lot of us don't realize that God actually doesn't want us to live an exhausted, defeated life. He wants us to experience rest. Now, I wanna say this before we get into the message. We're gonna be in Matthew 6. We're gonna be doing the series after this Gospel of Matthew is gonna be Fear Not. We're gonna be talking about how to deal with anxiety and worry and fear. And so a lot of what you're gonna hear today, we're not gonna tackle some of those subjects which are vitally important. But what we are gonna talk about is a unique aspect of being able to find rest. And my hope and prayer for you is as we read these scriptures, as that man said, his house was the only one standing because he built it according to the building codes. One of the reasons why we often don't get a chance to experience the things that God has for us is because we don't do it in the way that God tells us to do it. We don't build our life in the way that he tells us to build our life. So when we go into Matthew chapter six, here God is gonna be telling us, build your life in this way. And if you build your life in this way, you're gonna experience the results that come from doing this in a great way. And so as we look at this, the intent is, God, how can you change my heart into how I'm living? And the root of this is gonna be that you would get a chance to experience actually rest in your life that God has and wants for you. So Matthew chapter six. We're gonna be going in and starting in verse 19, Treasures in Heaven. Now we're gonna read a lot of verses and then we're gonna pull some points from this and then we're gonna be able to end service with just some reflection time. Here Jesus is communicating, it's a Sermon on the Mount and he's preaching and it's an incredible moment of teaching from Jesus and he says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin, oh, excuse me, I think I've missed something. Okay, let me, let me start again. Let's pretend like I just didn't do that. Okay. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. I did get it right. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will, will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, pause there for a second. Don't you think it's a strategy of the enemy to put so much content in front of us that's dark? And can I just talk to the parents for a second? You wanna talk about a war for our kids? This is something we wrestle with in our home. Give the kid a device and, and let the device parent the kid. How many times does the enemy come in through the things that we put in front of our face? And can I just, can I, and, and this is not to make anyone feel guilty, we do it in our house. Our, our, all of our kids have an iPad. And it's a wrestle, we wrestle with this. We, we lock it down, we say here's some of the shows that you can watch, but hear Jesus' words. If, if what you put in front of your eyes is dark, it's gonna lead to a dark life. Let me put it to you another way. You, what you put in front of your eyes influences the way you think, and the way you think is gonna determine the decisions that you make. And, and, and so it's, it's all interconnected massively. Jesus is, is he's telling us. And by the way, how relevant is this verse 2,000 years ago to where we are today? So, if then the light within you is darkness, how great that is that darkness? Verse 24, no, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Mm. 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes and see See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And you and your heavenly Father knows what uh, knows that you need them. He knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So here's some thoughts, ready? And again, we're gonna be doing a series about fear and anxiety and worry. So we're not gonna tackle this aspect of it as much, but I wanna tackle the, the first verses that we begin to read and then connected in with what we just finished reading. Here's the first thought is this, and this is something all of us would agree with. This is very simple. We would all agree with this. And it's this, is that the most important things in life are not things. And right. I know it sounds simple, and we all agree with this. We're all like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, of course that's true. And yet, we don't live this way. This is not how we live. We live on the assumption that if I can just get the next thing that I want, then I'm gonna be happy. And, and one of the things I see in our nation is that we serve the God of happiness and whatever makes us happy is the thing that we need to pursue. And we think that happiness is just the next moment away in achieving or accomplishing or in getting the things that we want that are gonna make us happy. In my house, I've only had two homes that have had fireplaces, the home that I lived in Simpsonville and the home that we have now in Fountain Inn and the home in Simpsonville. And I love sitting around a fireplace. There's something beautiful and warm about it. And so I love, I love just sitting there and being a family around a fireplace. Our house in Simpsonville had the fireplace, like most of them, that you flip the switch and fire comes on. God bless America, man. It's America. We can't gotta build a fire. We gotta go click, <laughs> and then click. I just, it's incredible. So, but the fire we, the fireplace we have in our house in Fountain Inn, house is built in 1924, is a wood burning fireplace. And for some reason, I just discovered that I can convert my wood burning fireplace into a gas fireplace. And so, right before Christmas, I ordered the unit to convert into gas. And do you know, and so like when you do a wood burning fire pit, which sounds romantic until you go and collect the logs and then put the logs in there and then start the fire and then maintain the fire and then clean the fireplace and make sure everything's taken care of, right? I'm like, oh, I'm just tired thinking about it. How nice would it be? We're in America to, that's the way to live. So I ordered the kit. And I'm envisioning how much better my life's gonna be when I can just go to the fireplace and say, be on fire. That's not gonna do that, actually, have to light it. But anyway, I'm just envisioning the laughter of my kids and how there's not gonna be disobedience by them anymore. Now they're just gonna clean their rooms and eat their food and not complain anymore. Why? Because when the fire kid arrives, joy is gonna be abounding. That's what I think. And it's not arrived in my house yet, but do you know how many times I've checked the status of when it's gonna be shipped? Like five to six times a day. And the company, this is so much worse, they said, well, it's gonna ship by the end of December. It's not the end of December. 
we're in January and it's not shipped yet. And then the side of me that's like, I can't be happy until this happens. Don't act like you're, you are, you order something and you track it just like I do. They haven't even shipped it yet. They don't even care, do they? God, where are you? You sent fire from heaven. (laughs) I know it's ridiculous, but (laughs) the, the most important things in life, they're not things. And here Jesus is, and he's trying to, let me take this to the very beginning. Can we just, one of the greatest lies the enemy has ever sold us is that God is withholding good things from you. And, and underneath of that lie is this, you should have more. And when you look in the garden, here you have the serpent, Satan, with Eve, and that's essentially what he says. God is withholding good things from you, and if you taste of this fruit, then your eyes will be open, and guess what? You're going to have more. And it's this idea that has permeated all of us that if we can just have more, then we're gonna be okay. It's this pursuit of more. And then in the country that we live in, we think the ultimate way to be happy is to have more. I've lived in six countries. I've had the privilege of traveling around the world. There is only one country that has storage units everywhere. They're gonna, Simpsonville. In Simpsonville, you're gonna have car washes and storage units. And they're gonna put them right across the street from each other. <laughs> That's crazy. I've never seen, it. it's, 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 and the storage units is because the garage is already full. It's not because you don't have a garage, you have a garage, but the garage is full, so you gotta get a storage unit for the other stuff that's not fitting in the garage or the attic. This lie that the enemy has told us, this pursuit of having more, drives so many of the decisions that we make in our life. And we attach our happiness to getting more. The problem is, how many of you gotten more and then realize it's not all it's cracked up to be? And it's like this, this, it's like this sickness that invades the way we think about things. And Jesus comes and he says, do not store up for yourself treasures in heaven, or, or treasures on earth. Instead, live your life to store up for treasures in heaven. He, he, changes, he wants to change our hearts and how we live our life to realize that everything on this earth is limited because t- time is limited. It doesn't last. More is not the answer. More of stuff is not the answer. When I was, when I was a kid, we were living in the country of Peru in South America, and I got typhoid. And I got really, really, really sick. And I had a massive, massive fever. And I remember vividly being really, really sick. And my mom came and she took me into the bathroom where she had filled the bathtub up with water and then she had dumped bucketfuls of ice in the bath. And I remember vividly as a kid, my mom taking me, my body that was overwhelmed with fever and putting me in the bathtub. And I remember looking at my mom being like, what are you doing to me? Do you not love your son? Do you not care? And now older, as a parent, you know what I would do to my kids? My mom said, your fever wasn't coming down. The medicine wasn't working. We didn't know what to do. We did the thing that we needed to do to bring your fever down. And we put you in a bath full of cold water to help reduce it. And it worked. 
And sometimes when Jesus communicates truth to us, what's happening is, is that we've bought into lies that the enemy has sold us. We, it's infected the way that we think, infected the decisions that we make, the habits that we have. It's infected the way that we, we go about life. And what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to say, wait a second, stop pursuing things that don't matter anymore. And he puts us in a cold bath and he says, not because not he doesn't love us, but because he wants us to actually experience good things. Let me, let me ask a question. What if it's all the stuff that we have that's preventing us from living the life that we want to actually live? What if it's all of the things, think of how clever the enemy is. Get more, and then when you get more, you actually are not more free, you're actually more bound. I heard someone say it this way, the more stuff you own ends up owning you. And I just, how, think about that. Then you're in a cycle of your feeling trapped And here Jesus says, and he says, wait a second, there's a different way of living that if you can decide differently, if you can have different kinds of habits, what about the habit of living for less? I heard someone say this, and I've actually been practicing this. This is kind of wild. They said, whenever you get new clothes, go to your wardrobe and remove the same amount of clothes that you just got. So now when I get new clothes, I go to my wardrobe, and what I do, if I get five shirts at the store, I'm gonna go home, I go to my wardrobe, and I take out five shirts, and I, and I, I get rid of them, I give them away. It's this, it's this habit of living differently. Let me, let me put it to you another way. The calling that God has on your life is too big and too good over you for you to waste your life on stuff. So we know, we know, we know that the best things in life are not things, and yet easily we can fall into, easily we can fall into the trap of thinking that more is actually the answer to the life that we want. But listen to Jesus' words. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about more. Instead, trust him today. So finding rest, ready? Here's some thoughts and then we're gonna be done. How do we find rest? Well, here's a very simple, and this is a key, important thought for us. And as we go into 2024, my prayer is that you would hold this thought as an anchor into your life. Ready? And it's simply this. Because I have Jesus, I have enough. This seems simple. In life, I have several anchor points for me. And I call these anchor points because when life gets turbulent, when it feels like the waves are crashing and the sea is blowing and I'm like being tossed in a lot of different directions, what anchor points do for me are they're thoughts that I know are true despite how I feel and I hold on to those thoughts. And then when things kind of toss me around and my emotions get involved and I kind of go crazy, you know what I do? I grab a hold of what I know is true despite how I feel and it makes a huge difference. Let me give you an anchor point. Because of what Jesus has done, you have enough. There, to me, when you can hold on to this, this is what Jesus is saying. Don't live your life for things that don't matter. Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom of God. He's saying, come to me. Come to what matters most. Because of what Jesus has done, we actually can experience the rest that he wants to have for us. But only if we get to the place where we realize that we don't need more because we have all that we already need. We are complete because of what Christ has already done. And because of what he has already done, because of the cross, and because of what he has wanted to do in our life, we don't actually have the need for more. We can actually go to the cross and recognize, wait a second, we are forgiven, we're made new. 
We're not alone. God cares. He knows about our life. We actually can be complete, not by getting more of the world or stuff, but by being made complete because of what God wants to do in our hearts. And so, because of Christ, because of Jesus, and if we can have this thought and let it permeate our hearts, and it can influence the way we make decisions, it will have a big impact. In February, I played a video for you guys, and I'm gonna play the video for you in just a second. It's a video that I played from a baptism that I got a chance to be part of, and it was amazing. I got a chance to go to Saudi Arabia. I told you guys about this trip on one or two messages back in January of last year to see some of the sites that we believe the Israelites were at in the book of Exodus, Numbers. Incredible experience, trip of a lifetime. And while we were in Saudi Arabia, which is not a country that is Christian, if you don't know, by the way, it's very Muslim country. And in fact, if you're open a Christian, you can get into a lot of problems. And while we were in Saudi Arabia, we're staying at a hotel there next to the Red Sea. There happened to be a young man who was Pakistani. And he was driving us around and was helping us get food for the different meals that we needed to be able to have. And there was something immediately different about this young man. We could tell that he was different from all the other people that we had met. And in conversations when no one else was around, it began to come out that he had had a radical conversion to be able to follow Jesus in his life. That God had gotten a hold of him when he was younger in the nation of Pakistan, an incredible conversion experience. He left Pakistan and he was in Saudi Arabia because he wanted to see where the Bible took place. And so here he is at the places in which Exodus and Numbers people believe those things happened. And he was on his way to be able to make it to Israel as a Pakistani man with no resources and no funds, being obedient to the Lord. Everything he owned, basically he would fit into a backpack and he's working at a hotel as just a gopher guy to do whatever the boss told him to do. But he had Jesus. And, and, and before I play the video, which I played for you back in February, I want you to understand, the, 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 seeing what it's like when someone actually knows that there is nothing more important than Jesus and what it does for you. So here you have someone who didn't have a lot of stuff. He was on his way. The dream was to be able to go to Israel to see where Jesus stepped. And us, we had several pastors from the upstate on that trip. We gathered together, and this is what we said. We said, man, how can we bless him financially so that he can make it to Israel? And so we got together, we began to pull together some tie, like just gifts, financial gifts to be able to give to him. And when we went to try and present him with this, he said, no, I don't need that. And he actually didn't want the gift. But then he said, but I've never been baptized before. And if you wanna do something for me, instead of giving me money, will you please baptize me? And the reason I played the video for you before, but I didn't give you the background of it. And I want you just to watch this video of someone in a world far from ours who found Jesus and found Jesus to be more than enough. And this is someone who, when we offered to help him get to what he should have, he said, no, this is not, this is not, no. But can you baptize me? There's a beauty to it. I want you to see this video. Take a look at him. Not a God. So that's why we say God. Yeah. So in the Bible they have words, uh, the next God is my son. So that's why we say uh, Jesus Christ God, not our God. That's why. Yeah, there's always some growth in that. So yeah, absolutely. But baptism. So this is a show, a type of the death, burial, and resurrection, and a show to the public that you have accepted Jesus Christ in your own So, are you ready to follow up? Yeah? Yeah, you guys ready to go? 
I'll go ahead and go down now. Let's scoot him up a little, yeah. So we're not cheering is we don't want to get him in trouble. you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Jeff, if you want to come up, he's going to lead us. And we're going to do something, we're going to end service a little different. I actually have a two-part kind of just prayer. I want to pray. And this is going to be a little bit unique. Because as we end service, we're going to have a moment of reflection between us and the Lord. And I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come in. And Maybe one of the reasons why we're so exhausted is because we're running a race for more and God never called us to run it to begin with. How do we stop running for more? Well, we, we recognize and realize that we have all we need because of Jesus. And guess what? He's here right now. The answer to our happiness is not more. The answer to our fulfillment is Christ. The answer to what we need is his presence. And Jesus didn't promise that the troubles would go away. In fact, he said the troubles are here and they'll be there tomorrow. What he did say is that he would be with us in the midst of the troubles. So while every head, head is bowed and eyes closed, here's kind of the prayer. 
I'm going to just say the line and then I want to give you some time to process it with the Lord because my prayer for you is that you would get into the habit of not needing more. So here's the, here's the first thought, ready? God, give us less of, give us less of what doesn't matter. As you think about 2024 and as you have your head bowed and eyes closed, I want you and the Lord to just reflect on this. God, give me less of what doesn't matter this year. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.